From Feature Story News in Washington, I'm Simon Marks. The head of President Trump's coronavirus task force now says 200,000 deaths from COVID-19 in the United States is only a best-case estimate. Dr. Deborah Burks was speaking within hours of President Trump's decision to abandon plans to reopen the U.S. economy next month and his extension of his social distancing guidelines for another 30 days. She told NBC she's worried Americans aren't doing enough to observe the president's now extended guidelines. Well, the best case scenario would be 100% of Americans doing precisely what is required. But we're not sure that all of America is responding in a uniform way to protect one another. So we also have to factor that in. Cities that don't social distances, that don't stay at home, that believe you can have social interactions, that believe you can have gatherings of homes of 20 and, and 10 people even, that is going to spread the virus. Ethiopian Airlines has abandoned flights to over 80 international destinations because of coronavirus. It's Africa's leading carrier by far with one of the world's largest route networks. FSN's Coletta Wanjohi reports from our bureau in Addis Ababa. The international destinations that Ethiopian Airlines has suspended flights to are mainly countries that have banned flights in a bid to combat COVID-19. This includes China, where the airline continues to operate direct flights daily, even as eight other African airlines stopped. Ethiopian Airlines has also cut its domestic destinations by half. One of its crew members is reportedly among the recent COVID-19 positive cases in the country. I'm Koleto Anjohi in Addis Ababa. Another senior figure in British politics is in self-isolation after showing coronavirus symptoms. Dominic Cummings is a senior advisor to Prime Minister Boris Johnson, who himself last week tested positive for coronavirus. Meanwhile, the heir to the throne, Prince Charles, has now completed his self-isolation after displaying mild symptoms. Hungary's parliament has endorsed a bill giving Prime Minister Viktor Orban unlimited powers that he says he needs to fight COVID-19. The bill will further inflame tensions with the European Union, as FSN's Brussels correspondent Lucy Hoff reports. Hungary's nationalist leader Viktor Orban has frequently clashed with the European Union, which has accused him of taking steps to breach EU values and undermine the rule of law. The bill, now passed in Hungary's parliament on Monday, will be closely scrutinised here in Brussels amid claims that this latest move is another power grab that takes advantage of the COVID-19 pandemic and tips Hungary further away from democracy. Lucy Hoff, Brussels. Japan has confirmed a new start date for the delayed Olympics. They'll begin on August the 24th, 2021. From bureaus worldwide, this is FSN. This is a test of the emergency podcast system. Activated by contract termination. Rumors of our demise are greatly exaggerated. Welcome to Stacy on the Right with your host, Stacy Washington. She's blessed to be a Bible reading, gun toting, Air Force veteran, wife, and mom, righteously American. Welcome. Welcome to the program. Stacy Washington, host of Stacy on the Right. And guess what? I guess my thoughts have been pretty quarantined. 
So um, today on the show, we are going to talk about how we can pray for the virus. And, and when I say for it, pray to stop it, pray for people, pray for events, pray for uh, everything having to do with dealing with this pandemic. We're going to talk about what people aren't talking about because of the virus. I think it's pretty interesting, the number of topics that have suddenly just gone away. And then uh, I have a couple things I want to share for you out of my little Timothy Keller book on the Psalms and then also my Timothy Keller book on Proverbs. And uh, if you're wondering, if you've noticed, there's a lot of prayer going on. People are praying. We actually have, I've been participating with the Thrive St. Louis Daily Prayer Siege. It's at 8.30 in the morning Central Time every day except Sunday. And the original plan was to go through Easter. We're now hearing from the president that we may possibly be continuing on uh, with with the social distancing until the end of April. And so, you know, uh, accordingly, I'm, I'm sure Bridget is assessing whether or not they're going to continue on with the daily prayer siege. I know it has been such a blessing to me. It's a great way to start the day. So you'll have information on that, and that will also be in the links in the podcast so you can uh, see the information and it will remain there so you can just go back there and access it or whatever, whatever floats your boat, uh, however you feel like you want to get it. I also want to say we're back on Facebook. I guess my punishment time is over. I don't know what was the reason why I couldn't get on to live stream for the program. I can only live stream from my phone. But whatever it is, it's been lifted, and here I am. So we're on YouTube, Facebook, and Periscope, and we're with you, and we're so glad to be here. So let's talk about a couple things. First off, I guess we can get the political stuff out of the way first. Uh, Isn't it interesting that all of the topics, do you remember what we were talking about before? Before all of the COVID-19, before it became a pandemic, before we all had to participate in social distancing? We were discussing, obviously, the impeachment of the president. That had just ended. And then it was still him being in cahoots with the Russians. He was still a Russian agent. Do you remember that? Socially, we were talking about the need for um, more rights for transgenders, more, more arguments about whether or not there are two genders, very unscientific claims being made. And now all of that's gone. Remember, we used to get weekly updates on how many murders had occurred in Chicago. Now, nothing. It's as if there's no more murdering going on anywhere in the country. Now, I, admittedly, um, people are probably staying home because they don't want to catch the virus, but criminals usually operate regardless of what's going on. But we don't, we don't see any of that news anymore. Um, when I go to the websites and I look and see what is, what is going on in the news, well, the top line for every single website that I go to is coronavirus. Now, admittedly, there are Americans in this country who are very ill right now, who are battling this thing. Um, there are doctors who are resisting the actual treatment protocol that the president has outlined. You know, Trump derangement syndrome can affect anybody. They don't want to give the uh, hydrochloroquine a, a try. Um, and obviously, the media is still deranged because the couple, I guess they were in Arkansas, wherever they were, uh, this older couple decided to go buy, or they already had some, they bought some. It was their uh, cleaner for their fish tank, and it had chloroquine in it, although it, it's not hydrochloroquine. It was a different kind of chloroquine. They drank it. The husband died. The wife was in critical condition. They blamed that on President Trump. Like he said, go drink your uh, your your cleaner for whatever you've got there at home, like your little, you know, fish tank or whatever. Go drink your fish tank cleaner. He didn't say that. He said that protocols were showing a lot of success and that he was opening it up 
um, but it's still up to doctors to prescribe it. It's not like President Trump can say, hey, every doctor in America, make every American that you that you treat take hydrochloroquine. It's just from the doctors and experts that he's working with, they find that this protocol is helping people to recover from the virus, to, to the disease that they're catching when they catch the virus. It's kind of amazing that that's the so – that, so that's it. Other than that, also – uh, Meghan Markle and her husband have moved to the United States. They first moved to Canada. They found that untenable, and now they're in Los Angeles with, uh, in a compound. They're quarantined at, with their baby, and the mom, uh, Doria, Meghan Markle's mom, lives in Los Angeles, so they're moving closer to their home base. And also, she's going to be doing work in Hollywood. She's already done some voiceover work for a, a program called Elephant. She's writing a children's book, so she's in the United States, so I guess that's a big deal. As you can tell, I've just been reading whatever I, you know, whatever I, I, I see nearby. I'm like, OK, well, let me read a little news while I've been spring cleaning and hanging out with the kids. Because as we've said before, this is such an unprecedented moment in America where all of the kids are home. The adult kids, the younger kids, obviously the little ones, but the teenagers, the young adults, everybody's home. And so I, I think. If you look back in the history of this country, we've never had this before. It's actually all over the world because most countries are practicing some form of quarantine. And so there's, there's, uh, there's an opportunity. And that's why I want to talk about how we can pray. This is a time for breakthrough. This is a time for people to get a hold of that thing that has them by the neck, the strongholds that you may be operating in. While there's no media chatter about whether or not you're a bigot or a racist or a horrible person because you don't believe there are more than two genders, you can actually take that extra headspace that you've got. And aside from applying it to projects around the house, projects with your family, maybe personal projects, things you need to finish, um, whether it's reading something or writing something or, or whatever it is that you're working on. Uh, for, for me, it's just a whole lot of stuff around here that I'm like, oh, wow can't believe I left that little pile of whatever that is. I need to go through all of that and, you know, recycle some of it, get rid of it, whatever. And I'm doing that all over the place. And I have the kids home, so I get a little bit of assistance with some of it. But the big deal is it's just stuff you've left undone. And that is what God has for us during a time like this when we all have to come home. So if you've noticed that the news is kind of bereft of anything but COVID-19, what do you think about that? Is, is that appropriate? Should we just stop reporting on every other kind of news and only talk about how President Trump is botching the coronavirus uh, response, which, by the way, he's not. He's not botching it. By the way, he inherited a huge issue with our stockpiles, our national stockpiles of uh, protective equipment and things that have to do with, with virus protection. I already shared on Twitter like a week ago, right when the story came out, that he did not disband any office at the CDC. Uh, the parts of the office that were associated with the NSC, the National Security Council, were folded back in because too many people were working there. But the same people who were in charge of virology, epidemiology, all of that, they're still there. Or they're replaced with other people who are just as qualified or even more so he did not dismantle anything. So it's interesting to me that, uh, that, that those are the accusations they make when nobody cares about President Obama and the H1N1 uh, deaths. We're 12,600 deaths and people, um, did, we didn't social distance. The swine flu infected 60 million some odd Americans and we just went on about our business. Now, am I saying that we should do the same thing now due to the, the 
this virus having such a higher rate of contagiousness? I, no, I'm, I'm not here to make speculations or to talk about what is or isn't the right thing to do, uh, like I'm a doctor or an epidemiologist or a virologist or any of that stuff. I'm not. And so I'm not going to make, uh, you know, a whole bunch of hay about that. I do know there's only so long we can go with keeping our economy closed. There's only so long that we can continue to operate um, with people working from home who can and everybody else just kind of, you know, sitting up, no money. Um, you know, even if your mortgage has been suspended and you don't have to pay it, if you've been given a grace period because of the, the, the pandemic, you still have other things that you got to pay. Um, I, I don't see any announcements that credit cards aren't requiring payments during this time. And it's not just that. Small business, we're going to have to reopen the economy again at some point. We can't stay like this indefinitely, which means the virus is going to move through. And, and I'm saying that as someone who, you know, I've been immune compromised before because I've had surgery. Um, and apparently the COVID-19 impacts people who have had surgery before differently. Um, I, but I just trust God. So before I even go into all that, because you guys have probably already gotten that information from somewhere else, I just trust God. So here's the way we have to look at it as Christians. Let's get into that right now. Let's, let's start off with how can we look at this, because these are my quarantine thoughts and they're for you. How can we look at this thing? Uh, and and let's, let's be real here. If you're a Christian and you know that you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross to save you from your sins, that he paid the sin debt, he took the keys from the gates of hell, he defeated the enemy, the devil, and that he now sits at the right hand of the Father interceding for you day and night. If you believe all that, and if he's coming to your heart and he's made his home there and your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit and you just live in your royal priesthood clothed in white, you got it going on like that, then death has no sting for you because immediately on the other side of this life, is Jesus Christ. Face to face, you get to meet him. You get to spend eternity with him. You have that assurance, so death has no sting. And does that mean we all want to be raptured up right this minute or that we want to die from COVID-19? No. We want to preserve our lives. We want to spend time with our families. But we know we don't fear death and we fear no man. Once you have that down, then you know this is an opportunity. The fields are white with the harvest for us to get out there or virtually get out there and first of all, pray with each other. I have been getting so geeked out about the fact that so many people are getting together and praying, which means I get to get together with them virtually and pray. And it has just been charging me up. I've just been so blessed by it. And you can too. Anyone can. All you have to do is say, I'm, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to set my eyes on him. I'm going to go hard after him. And he's going to set everything else in order. And so during this time of some people are calling it judgment. Some people are calling it uh, a reprieve. Some people are saying, you know, we're, we've pulled back. Um, during this time, we can, we can either let it get us um, and let it, like, take a hold of us and cripple us with fear, or we can go to our word and we can say, okay, Lord, so what do we do when, when we have to pull back in? What do we do? So let's get into some, first of all, I, I talked about the contrast. I want to contrast one more thing before I share the information with you about the praying and everything. The, one of the things that I thought was really interesting is um, the fact that we are very concerned about 1% to 2% of the population, possibly as high as 3.5% of the population, being impacted by COVID-19 and the ensuing, like if, if people were to die, the fatality rate, which would make it more fatal than the flu. We lose a, between 30,000 and 
uh, 60,000 a year to the flu. On the worst years, we lose 80,000 people a year to the flu. In America, we have 151,000 people who die every year from different various things. But let's go through some numbers. So worldwide, um, the population is 7.7 billion. We've had 34 million births so far this year. 226,000 births today. 226,000 human beings were born today. And 14 million deaths so far this year worldwide. 95,000 deaths just today, just on one day, any one day. Uh, net population growth for this year is 19 million, and net population growth for today is 131,000. So now there's a bunch of other things on here that are super, super cool. Um, but let's go to the coronavirus subtab that they've added. So far, We've had 770,000 coronavirus cases, 36,938 deaths, and 160,000 people who've recovered. So the active cases is 572,984. And the closed cases, uh, you know, there are, I should say, serious or critical cases. So people who are serious or critical on a ventilator, in an ICU, etc., 29,459. Now, that's interesting, but let's dig down to the United States of America. They have this thing um, in, well, they have it in alphabetical order, or do they? I'm looking at this right now. Oh, we're at the top. So we have 156,690 cases of COVID-19 in the United States. We have 13,199 new cases, a total number of deaths, 2,870, and the new deaths added to the numbers recently, it's 287. We have 5,211 people in America who have had COVID-19 and were tested for it, so they're positive they had it, and they have recovered. And serious or critical cases, 3,402. And the total number of cases per 1 million Americans is at 473. And the total number of deaths per 1 million in population are nine. So nine deaths for every million people. So we have 320 million people to give you some perspective on that. Now, even one death is too much, but, you know, we're dying of other things at a much higher rate. Um, so that brings me to the thing that is really annoying me about this whole thing, and that is that we don't see the connection between this continual onslaught every year, every other year, we have some new virus that attacks our country. And then after we have the virus come through, we kind of go into a lull and we're like, oh, that's over. Like it's never going to happen again. The fact is, as long as we have an open society and we allow global migration to come into this country unfettered without any vetting, we're going to continue to have these kinds of things from countries that don't eat livestock. Countries that eat anything that crawls on its belly, anything that flies in the air. They don't have any standards for eating livestock, meaning animals that are raised for consumption only. So cows, you know, goats, chickens, that kind of stuff. Like we eat here in America. We don't eat bats in America. We, we don't eat snakes in America. I mean, you can probably find somebody in the backwoods someplace who eats snake, but we don't have snake markets where the blood of different animals and mixes together and people are just slaughtering them right there for you and then handing you the raw meat for you to carry home without refrigeration or packaging. We don't have that here. 
but they do have that in China. And these viruses originating out of China, it's an issue for us. And make no mistake about it, there are a lot of connections that you can put together here, like the president comes down on China like a ton of bricks. He literally rolls through them. He didn't roll to the communication table with them. He rolled through them with an America first agenda, which makes it possible for us to have this just, it's just been an amazing turnaround. And more Americans are aware of the imbalance, not just in trade, but in intellectual property and the theft of that property and in the way that they treat our businesses that want to make their products over there. Not to mention all of the things that they make in China that should be made here, like our antibiotics and our safety equipment and so much more. So the thing that's really chafing me right now that I'm having a real difficulty with is that we're doing all of this for the coronavirus, but we don't have people social distancing or doing anything the equivalent of. We don't have an enormous movement by the church in America and a unified movement, regardless of your politics, against abortion. And abortion kills way more people than COVID-19 ever will. It kills way more people than heart disease, lung cancer, um, you name it. Diabetes, gun deaths, suicides, none of those approach the number that abortion approaches. Abortions worldwide this year, 10,427,000, and the meter is ticking up while I'm speaking to you right now. Okay, Um, now you might say, well, you know, that's not that bad, is it? I mean, um, you know, it's it that's worldwide. Um, It is. um, But it's also. It's here in this country where we have a million abortions a year, 1400 or so a day. So 900 of those are black babies. So 1,400 people a day. Can you imagine if coronavirus was killing 1,400 people a day, what would happen in the news? People would be ready to, um, you know, pull people out of office. There there would be violence in the streets. People would be like, okay, 1,400 people a day dying of something, that's outrageous. We have to put a stop to that. But for abortion, we hear the crickets. So I just want to put it in perspective for you. No, I'm not saying that we shouldn't fight the coronavirus. No, I'm not saying that it's not important that we – implement protocols that will help the spread to slow so that we can flatten the curve and make sure that we don't overwhelm our medical system. Obviously, I'm not saying any of that. But I am saying, I mean, wouldn't it be great if we could get a break from these pandemics? What do you think could make that happen? What do you think could stay the hand of God from or or cause him to intervene and want to step in on our behalf and stop all of these ridiculous viruses from coming through? Well, in my opinion, one of the ways that we could get ourselves right with him is to no longer have the blood of innocent babies crying out to him and crying out to him in heaven for avenging because we're destroying those lives for sexual convenience. So, you know, I know some people will disagree. That's your problem, by the way. When you disagree with me, that's a problem for you, not for me. All right, so today... Crack open my little Timothy Keller, the songs of Jesus. And before anybody feels like I'm, I'm not sanctimonious about this and I'm not perfect. Some days I get up and I pick up my phone and I start looking at that. And before I know it, it's like eight o'clock at night and I have not cracked open my devotional book. Other days I'm on it. I'm doing it. I'm like rejoicing in the morning and I've got everything going on. So there is no perfection in it. It's just a dedication to say when that day happens, oh, I didn't, I didn't do it. I get back to it the next morning and 
just, you know, hey, if it goes on for a couple of days, I get back to it the next morning. There's no perfection over here. And I'm certainly not judging, but I do love to share these because they're so good. Uh, so this is the Timothy Keller with Kathy Keller, his wife, a year of daily devotions in the Psalms, the song of Jesus. And I have this one. I have the one on the Proverbs. And then I have my D.A. Carson, which we've never really talked about that on the show. So maybe maybe tomorrow we'll get into that. But here it is on March 30th. It starts with Psalm 42, 6 through 11. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mazar. Deep calls to the deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me. Sang to me all day long, where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Okay. So then he goes into the devotional portion. It says, self-communion. As the psalm proceeds, we see that the phrase, I will yet praise him, verses 5 and 11 in Psalm 43, 5, is not a mere prediction of change, but an active exercise. When we are discouraged, we listen to the fearful speculations of our hearts. What if this happens? Maybe this is happening to me because of that. Have you, have you been there? Because I certainly have. Um, recently, I would say. I mean, come on. We, you guys know. Um, here instead, we see the psalmist is not merely listening to his troubled heart, but addressing it, taking his soul in hand, saying, remember this, O soul. He reminds his heart of the loving things that God has done. He also tells his heart that God is working within the troubles. The waves sweeping over him are your waves, meaning our Father in heaven. This self-communion is a vital spiritual discipline. And so my question to you is, is that what's happening for you right now? Or are you listening to the horrific people in the media who want to make this seem as if tomorrow morning when we wake up, every person in America will be infected with COVID-19 and everybody's going to die. I hear so many doom and gloom prognostications. It's going to be the worst pandemic we've ever had. President Trump isn't handling it right. Negative, negative, negative. And if that's not enough, you hear it within yourself because our tendency is to go to the very worst possible outcome and then say to ourselves, that's what's going to happen and there's nothing I can do about it. The fact is, God is sovereign and he is still on the throne and he is still working through this situation. He didn't create the COVID-19. He didn't send it to us, but he will work this out for our good. So the question is, what are you going to do to position yourself for maximum efficiency during this time? Well, the first thing we have to do is we have to go to the Father. Here is the prayer that is on today's uh, um, devotional. Right after that devotional, it says, Lord, I need to learn how to preach to my own heart rather than just listening to its foolish or panicky chatter. Help me learn how to effectively say to my unruly inward being, put your hope in God. Amen. So if your hope is in the presidency, and I'm a huge Trump supporter, as you know. I'm on Black Voices for Trump. I'm on Vets for Trump. I could be on Evangelicals for Trump. I could also be on uh, Women for Trump. And are there others? There's any coalition you find besides Unions for Trump um, or Latinos for Trump. I could be on any of those. Like all of the coalitions, I'm a part of those groups. But Trump is not my source. So I have my cool, you know, swag from the last White House visit. I can't wait to go again. 
I support him and I want to see him reelected. But my source is our father in heaven. Jesus Christ is my savior. So when I need to be bolstered and when I need to understand what is happening here, I'm not going to, well, if President Trump was doing so-and-so, you know what? God's word says that he turns the head of the ruler whichever way it would go. So should you be sitting up screaming at your television about Trump or should you be going straight to the source and saying, Father, please give President Trump wisdom. Please bless his heart. Help him to have full understanding of what is happening. Give him wise counselors. Help him to overcome those who would see him fail. Help him to persist and not to grow weary. Come on, y'all. We can get much more done instead of complaining and posting angry stories, which I do that too, okay? But I've prayed also. Pray into those situations. You're going to post it, post it, but pray about it too. Let's go to the second one. Okay, this one's Proverbs. And it's the same author and the same kind of a premise. He goes through the Psalms and it's, it's so good, y'all. It's like, it's, it's delicious is what it is. It is so good to read every day because not only does it make you wise, but it kind of settles you down so you are not feeling like you need to be basically all politics all day, all upset and, and you know, vim and vigor and everybody's just mad as all get out. You don't have to be that way all day long. So this one says, uh, it's Proverbs fifteen fourteen. the discerning heart seeks knowledge, but the mouth of a fool feeds on folly. So the discerning heart, fools can be said to be all mouth, always spouting foolishness. But the wise, however, are all heart, and every new experience is a way for their hearts to become more discerning. In a TV episode based on Agatha Christie's story, a retired Scotland Yard inspector explains to an incredulous friend that Miss Marple is the greatest criminologist in England. Now let's put a pin in it there, right? I've read every single Miss Marvel book, every single Agatha Christie mystery. I started on them when I was in the hospital 10, 11 years ago, and I just could not stop. A friend actually gave me one, and I'd read one before that that I checked out from the library when I was there with the kids, but the one that the friend gave me was, like, so good. So then I went and I checked them all out over time and read them all, all 95 or 93 or however many there are of them, and they are so good because it's – it's from way back when, when they actually had to write a really good story to keep you entertained instead of just throwing a whole bunch of sex scenes in it and acting like that was a story. So um, I read this one that he's talking about here. He says, there she sits, he says, an elderly spinster, sweet, placid, or so you'd think. Yet her mind has plumbed the depths of human iniquity and taken it all in a day's work. She has lived all her life in a little rural village of St. Mary Mead, and it's extraordinary. She knows the world only through the prism of that village and its daily life, but by knowing the village so thoroughly, she seems to know the world. Like Jesus, the ultimate wise one, she loves people, but she doesn't trust human nature. And that's a reference to John 2, 23 through 25. The secrets of wisdom are locked in your ordinary experience if you know how to learn from it. Ask God to help you develop a discerning heart. And what area or way has God enabled you to grow in discernment during the past year? Oh, my goodness. I can think of so many ways that God has shown me, first of all, just calmed my spirit and helped me to be able to observe and take in. I, I feel like I still have such a long way to go, but I'm so much further along now than I was just a year ago. If you think about it, just a year ago, I was at the National Religious Broadcasters doing my first uh, kind of radio row broadcasting from the exhibition floor. I was with the old place. Um, no clue that anything bad was happening, even though 
it was shortly after that that they made the decision they were going to let me go. They didn't tell me until June, but they made the decision like basically during Sherathon while I was there, they made the decision to let me go. Um, and so over the time since then, I've seen how God has answered my prayer not to leave me the same as I was, changed me, grown me up and given me discernment in areas where I can kind of say, okay, I know this doesn't feel right. It doesn't look right. It doesn't smell right. I need to investigate more where before I just didn't have that. And I thought I had some, maybe I had some, but not like I do now, which is the joy of walking with Jesus Christ, because you can see from year to year how you've changed and grown if you're applying yourself to the scriptures and if you're saying, Lord, change me, and then doing what needs to be done in order to be changed, which again is going to the word and praying and worshiping. So under this one, he has a prayer as well. It says, Lord, you are the ultimate teacher of wisdom. You sat with your disciples and taught them in parables. Now help me learn wisdom from my experience. I commit new time to prayer, reading, and solitude so you can do that for me. Okay, y'all. That's some meaty, delicious, wonderful stuff right there. Um, So let's look at these 20 prayers to pray during the COVID-19 crisis. So I'm not going to go over all of them with you. You can find this post at the listen.staceyontheright.com shortly after the show when I upload the audio. You'll be able to find the link to this there. And I guess I can throw it up on the Facebook page um, to help out in that way. So here we go. Um, Let me see. I was just checking over on the Facebook page. I can't believe I'm back on Facebook, y'all. That is so nice. Um, And also on YouTube and also on Periscope. Let me just check those real quick. Um, Oh, hello. All right. We have Marianne, John, and Lisa. And they're on the Facebook, which, again, if I don't broadcast on a regular basis, then the numbers go down. And that's perfectly fine. Okay? I mean, let's face it. I've never, ever been doing this just for the numbers. And obviously, I'm not doing it for the money. So... (laughs) (laughs) I'm doing it to put the message out there and God will do with it what he wants to do. So she goes through, and this is a great article by Jen Pollock Michelle. She talks a little bit in the beginning. Um, she, she says she wants to, um, she wants to take care of the powerlessness. She says this crisis is urgent. And so to deal with that, she says she knows you have to be reminded to pray we have to be reminded and so prayer is how we actively practice believing and simply and confidently going to God knowing that he has the whole world in his hand and nothing is shocking to him he does not wake up because he never sleeps he never turns in one direction and finds a situation he didn't know about he's omnipresent omniscient he's everywhere at once all-knowing all-powerful and outside of time So he does not have shock that we have COVID-19 ravaging the globe. He just doesn't. Okay. So you, you go into um, her list and she prays for the sick and infected, for vulnerable populations, for the young and the strong, for local state and federal governments, for the scientific community, for the media. That's number six. I'll read you that one. She says for the media, Father, please keep them committed to providing up-to-date information. God, help them to communicate with appropriate seriousness without causing panic. So much more we could say about the media. She prays for consumers of media looking to be well-informed. God, help us find the most helpful local information to equip us to be good neighbors. Keep us from anxiety and panic and enable us to implement the recommended strategies, even at cost to ourselves. Um, 
and I would say I want wisdom. So there's a bunch of, of prayers here. She has a very detailed bulleted list of how to pray for frontline healthcare workers. And so I, I would love for you to look at that, to share it. Uh, I think one of the things that is so fun for us to do is now that everyone is really looking at their social media to put something up there that's good. Um, but if I post a story and you come in the comments and say this was pointless, expect me to also say that your comment is pointless because if you comment on something that's pointless with a comment that it's pointless, then your comment is pointless too. Get it? Okay. <laughs> um, but I also want to, I want to kind of bring something that is, is really important for us, which is the fact that even when we're social distancing and you're, you're at home with your family, you can pray with your family. You should pray with your family. You must pray with them. But there is also Zoom. There's WhatsApp. Did you know that on WhatsApp you can make a phone call on your phone and it will just put everybody in a little box and you can see each other and you can talk? You can FaceTime your iPhone friends. Um, there, WhatsApp works on Android and iPhones. There's Zoom where you can have meetings with countless numbers of people and all, everybody's head shows up in a box and you can talk and share. There are ways for us to get together, to study the Bible, to pray together, and to entertain each other. Because what's funny is you don't realize it. When I was, I was uh, FaceTiming a, a couple of girlfriends last week and I got up to go to the kitchen and one of them said, where are we going? <laughs> and I was like, oh, I'm going to the kitchen to get so-and-so. And so then she showed us her dog and then we... I, of course, I had to show Bentley. And then before you know it, we're talking about the dogs. We're talking about, you know, and we weren't on very long. I think we were on like 20 minutes or something. But it was so refreshing and fun. And, and it was something that made it possible for us to um, connect and catch up with each other. And it was really encouraging because they were talking about the projects they were doing. I was like, oh, my goodness. Yeah, you're right. You know, it, it kind of inspires you. You're like, you know what? I, I should probably look at my garage shelves too, or, you know, clean out my, clean off my bookshelves too, whatever. Um, it might not, you might be one of those people who you're totally up on your spring cleaning. You were already completed and now you're looking for something else to do. And so there may be something else that you and your friends might talk about. The, the limits are not what I'm sharing. I'm just going over some of the stuff that, um, that we were discussing and it was fun. We just laughed a little bit and talked a little bit and enjoyed, um, the time. So that's what we can do now. But primary, primary is getting in the word. Don't get stuck on how many hours a day you're spending reading or, or, or praying. Just do some. And as you do some and you begin to enjoy that some, then you can increase if you feel like you need to. I think a huge mistake that people are making is they're saying, well, I'm going to read the Bible an hour a day. Well, you may have time to do that on quarantine, but how are you going to manage that on your you know schedule once we return to normalcy? Also, is setting such a lofty goal the best way to do it? It's like for people who've not exercised ever, they say, well, I'm going to exercise an hour and a half every single day starting tomorrow. Well, that's going to burn out pretty quick because your body is going to be so sore, you won't be able to do it. But how about if you say, I'm, I'm going to exercise tomorrow or I'm going to exercise 30 minutes tomorrow. And then the next day I'll do the same thing. And after I've done that for five days, then maybe I'll up it a little bit and maybe go to, you know, 40 minutes or, or maybe I'll do different intensity or maybe I'll add in some weightlifting. It's the same thing with Bible reading. And the reason I'm cautioning that is not because I don't want people to read the Bible an hour a day. You do you. Rock it out if that's what you're doing. But if you start off with the intention of doing that first off, it's going to be a really tough slog. Um, 
and I, I just want people to get into habits that they can continue and keep because reading God's word is going to be in, it's going to be so enriching to your life and the things you're going to be able to understand just going to be fantastic. So uh, anyway, talking of one news item, I want to do one news item before we close out the show today. Um, there's a. Uh, there's, I think there's a lot of, for me, there's a lot of anger that I feel towards or, or not really anger. It's not active anger. It's disdain and disgust with the media. Um, and I think President Trump has been feeling kind of like that, too, because he's been really smacking them around quite hard, you know, during the press conferences and things. And what I'm upset about is it's the way they treat him, but it's also the way that it's the way they're reporting what's happening and it's the way they're not reporting it. So the president's daily coronavirus briefings, at first they were, you know, showing them on all of the different stations. But in showing those briefings, the information that was being shared was actually so good and so relevant that Americans were starting to respond to it positively, which is the point. It's not about President Trump as much as it is about the information that's being shared being for Americans, and they need to know it because it can help them know how to behave, how to, how to tackle their shopping or, or dealing with this crisis. So they stop showing them. And if that isn't a picture of how the enemy works, when the, when the truth is going out, the enemy shuts it down. When he's having a briefing and they find something that they can mock about it, they'll broadcast it. Do you see what you see what I'm saying? So I'm disappointed about that. But when I'm disappointed, I know that's an opportunity for me to rely on God and for him to he will get the truth out. If anybody's going to make sure that the truth rings out, it's our Lord in heaven. He's not. The truth doesn't stop. It's a sword. It will go out. And so I just want to say it it all brings us back to my initial premise. Quarantine thoughts. We got to be praying when these voices come in and say oh yeah you know what you're not going to make it through coronavirus or this is going to last past april or there's no way that the president can manage this or whatever you're hearing that's the enemy it may sound like your voice but it's the enemy that is to be rebuked i take that thought captive and then move on say a prayer you know what lord it feels to me like this is never going to end but i know that's not true this too shall pass thank you for your goodness and your mercy amen so I know you guys are probably thinking, uh, what have you been up to? I've been with my kids who've been home since or for a couple weeks, and it's just been glorious. But I'm back. (laughs) And I'm so glad to be with you. Um, Enjoy your day. Don't let it get you down. There's nothing that God can't handle. I'll talk to you guys tomorrow.